What's good? This is Kelby Cannon, publisher, making the magazine. Got my man Scream up in here for another music one on one, music one on one. What's up? How you feeling today, sir? Good, man. Like, I mean, you, you a man who really needs no introduction. Like, uh, everybody know who you are, what you do. Hopefully. Um, but I think it's a it's a lot of people who don't know your story though. Right. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's good to always have some good Tar Center alum up in here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, right. can, can I tell the people a little bit about how, how you guys started on, on the path to where you at right now? Man, in all honesty, man, uh, that's a long story, but I'm gonna I'm I'm condense it. Uh, when, when you speak of Guitar Center, actually, when I graduated from college, Tuskegee University, um, the first thing I did is uh, I went on a tour with Montel Jordan, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying, as, as his DJ um, on a national tour. That was my first tour, it was my real uh, introduction to the music industry and, and seeing kind of like what it really was. Like before then, I'm looking at Rap City and you're on TV raps like, oh, I wanna do this. And then I got out there and you don't get to go home for months and months and months on a tour bus and you're living out your suitcase and I saw what it really was. So shouts to him for giving me that opportunity. Obviously when that was over, um, there was a lot of notoriety that came with it. You didn't get a lot of money being, you know, a partic that, that particular DJ for that artist. So I came home and I, I, I still really didn't have no money. I was fresh out of college. So um, I said, let me do something that, you know, still allows me to be around music where I can network, but I can make some chips as well. And then um, I went over to Guitar Center, man. I, I, I met so many people at Guitar Center. Um, it was good because I was doing music. I was like the top salesperson for like DJ gear and stuff like that. And um, long story made shorter, I think it was the point where like Mr. Collie Park and Toon was coming in like, what, what, what you doing here? Are you you buying some turntables? I'm like, nah, I work here. Like, when it came to that point where yeah. it was like, why are you here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that I had to kind of start adding it up like, all right, I got to change the game plan because uh, now they're starting to ask me why I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now people are starting to come to my job and give me CDs. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, you don't fire me anyway. Yeah. So uh, I eventually left that. And, um, you know, God just kind of put plans together, man. Um, I was doing mixtapes. We Me, me and uh, Shouts to Rip. Um, you know, kind of repowered Hood Richie and T. He had it, but it was kind of just sitting. He brought me in as a partner, and we kind of repowered it, and uh, um, went on the road touring with Crime Mob, uh, relentless, relentlessly just doing mixtapes. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? With uh, Shouts to Don P, Trill Town, Matt Breezy back then, uh, the only the Crunk Survive series, just relentlessly hitting the block, like helping to break some of these artists, and um, you know that led to. A D4L tour when Crime All slowed down, which led to me meeting Shotty Low and building a friendship, which led to Shotty Low talking about doing the Gangsta Grills, which led to him not wanting to pay that much to do a Gangsta Grills at the time, which led to him coming to me to get it for free, and which led to I'm the man to mixtape. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Classic. And, 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 <laughs> and you know, Low is friends with Rocco, so he introduced me to Rocco. Um, I already kind of knew Gucci, but he kind of reintroduced me to Gucci because Lo and Gucci was real tight. And Gucci introduced me to Walker, and I met Soldier Boy through MySpace. Like I just kind of started meeting these artists, and they just always wanted to do like a screen tape because they're like, "Bro, yo, yo, your tapes are different. Like I want to do one with you because yours is like, it's just I want to do one with screen." So it became that thing, like how everybody has to have um, a new pair of J's or something like that. Everybody's like, "I want to get a screen tape," and that led all the way up to. 
Rick Ross saying I want to scream tape you know what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> and him becoming the fan so it just kind of trickled down and I, I think the, con- the, con- the uh, constant variable is that I just stay hungry and stay focused throughout it all you know what I'm saying I never like let it get to me I stay humble to this day I, I get up every morning like it's day one and work you know what I'm saying and um, the story goes on and on of course you know we got producers now HPG uh, had a major record deal with Atlantic Records um, a lot bro you know well, what I mean here's the thing because um, you mentioned Rip and I met Kick and like the, there's this whole hood rich machine mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that um, when, when you mentioned like it, it's, it's certain DJs they, they do the tapes but then it's kind of like okay then the tape's done and it's just there mm-hmm. and it's like but I, I kind of one of the things I notice about what you have going on you have the whole apparatus around you mm-hmm. and then you have like a, like um in more recent years I've been seeing like a lot more DJs coming up under the hood rich umbrella so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about you know for the people who don't know that hood rich apparatus who are some yeah. of the other well, DJs up under it and, and the people behind the scenes that people don't see because they're yeah. not behind some turntables well I think um, when you talk about the DJs man it's kind of fraternal you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like we, we can just go get the quote unquote dopest DJs but if, if the uh, relationship is not there and I don't feel comfortable working or being around you then that's not how we rock in hood rich from any perspective you know what I mean um, you know Black Bill Gates MLK Kid Joe, DJ Spins, just to name a few, even Chameleon, and a lot more of them. They were like, like when we, when we come together, when we talk about music, we're friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it just so happens that these people are dope. You know, Black Bill Gates, his legacy, Chameleon, what he does in the street, Swamp Izzo, and his street um, campaign, and MLK, DJing for Tip, and DJ Black, DJing for 3-6 Mafia, and it goes on and on and on, Frank White, Dobie, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it's kind of built on that. Like, it's kind of built on, okay, we talk about just regular stuff 80 to 90% of the time yeah. because we're actually friends, and then 10% of the time, we might it makes it easier to talk about music because it's not stressful. Yeah. You know, we're talking about it because we want to. So, um, long story made short, it just comes together off a vibe. I always get people, like, all the time saying, you know, can you... I want to be down with her, Rich. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Shouts to my partner Keith here. He can vouch for it. It's kind of like, it just happens over time. He came around, he want to be down, he supports us, I support him, he supports me, he supports the movement, he reps the movement, he's loyal to the movement, and that's how we move. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So even from the producer standpoint, that was something that spins and vision. Like, yo, I want to start an offspring of it, which is HPG, Hoodrich Production Group. You know what I'm saying? And that was his vision, and it worked very well, still is working very well. But we would look for a particular type of, not just talent, character. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like if you all, a basketball football team mm-hmm. and you don't want to play for that team which we've seen in sports yeah. it's not going to mesh right you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so the whole purpose of it is like let's let this mesh right let's let this be natural let's let this be organic and everybody that's come on board has been an organic situation and you mentioned kickstand someone who's been there from day one like helping us with the CDs and the streets and um, I shout out Jasmine, who's the um, you know the administrative assistant that keeps a lot of stuff together for us. You know what I'm saying? And so many people, and people know Rip, and I don't want to forget nobody, bro. We had like a lot of people, yeah. not just in Atlanta, but outside of Atlanta, that's helped support the movement, and we support them in their endeavors as well. You did? Not definitely. <laughs> uh, it was something that you had, you had just mentioned. Uh, it was the 
the character versus the music. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, I guess, like even, because I, I do consultant work too, mm -hmm. so I, like, I always, like as far as with artists, um, like honestly, I'll be honest, I don't really care about the music that much. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you make whack music, I can get you a producer, mm -hmm. I can get you a ghostwriter, yeah. we can yeah. train you to be a good artist. Well, yeah, music is, yeah. But exactly. if you're a flawed person, like your character, like ain't ain't no auto-tune for that. Like right. it's just, you, you messed up. Like, right. So it's like, I think that's one of the things like, when it comes to even with the artists that you choose to work with, mm -hmm. how much does that play a role? It plays a big role. I mean, mm -hmm. me and Lois still friends to this day. Oh, hit, I hit him on New Year, Happy New Year, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I didn't go do business with Rick Ross because he was just the biggest artist in the game. There were other big artists reaching out to me, by the way, at that time. But mm -hmm. I, I liked his vibe and I liked his vision and I believed in what he had going on and still do. So um, you have to, I mean, there's situations where people gonna come together and work and it's kind of like, sometimes it's just because people want to see you work. That's happened in the past, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where it's a one and done, you know what I mean? That's obviously happened. I've done literally over a thousand mixtapes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna say that I have a thousand close friends, you know yeah. what I'm saying? There's times where that comes for that, but you know, how far it goes depends on your attitude and how you approach it. I always shout out Young Golf and his consistency and his willingness to say, um, I come from the streets, coming into music screen, I want to learn this, I know it's going to take a little time, but I'm not going to stop. And then he gets the biggest street record of the year last year, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, Future, mm -hmm. his work ethic, amazing. You know what I'm saying? Someone who's not going to take no for an answer, knows where he wants to go, knows where he's going. You know what I mean? I met him through Rocco. Um, so many people, man, like, you have to have some character. You know what I mean? Before we did music, we gotta be human beings. We gotta be men or women or whatever the case may be. So you gotta have that character. You can't just, I don't like, is it, you people talk about certain artists and like how crazy weird they are if you beat them like, and I haven't been in a rush to meet some of these people because I don't want all the extra. I just want to deal with somebody who loves the culture, the art form, the music and wants to make some dope stuff at the end of the day, you dig? Yeah, like, that's, uh, that's funny, like, um, like even with me been doing this magazine like like nine years now it's like certain people that I tried to not meet just because <laughs> I didn't want to ruin right they're like I like your music and that, I that don't happens. I've heard too much stuff that happens, that yeah. happens. sometimes you meet people <laughs> and to this day I can't listen to their music yeah you know what I'm saying it definitely destroyed the whole the whole outlook yeah um here, here's a something I wanted to talk to you about like just um DJing, like one of the things that I, you know, just watching you over the years and having had conversations with you and stuff, like you are a real fan of the music, like mm -hmm. and the and the art of DJing, like mm -hmm. like DJing is kind of it's gotten to a place where you know how everyone could be an artist once once Cakewalk came out. Mm -hmm. uh, Pro Tools was got cracked, and then everybody became a producer once there was Fruity Loops mm -hmm. and. Now that you got the virtual DJs mm -hmm. and Serratos and everything, it's like Paris Hilton DJing. Yeah, everybody's right. a DJ now. So yeah. with no appreciation for the art, like mm -hmm. how how do you feel about the state of of DJing right now for someone who who's trying to get in it? I mean, like, and anything you get into, um, I bring back sports again. Mm -hmm. There was sports way back when there was sports, mm -hmm. you know. Work out and lift weights and all that. 
now you can just take enhancers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Some of the people who take enhancers never get caught. They're good, great, whatever <laughs> the case is. But a lot of them get caught up in why isn't he performing now like he did last year or this, that, and the third. Do you want to be a DJ? Do you want to be embraced as a DJ? Do you want to make it a career? Do you want to make your mark? Or is it just a hustle? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For people that's a hustle, they might go take $50 a night mm-hmm. just because they don't want to work at McDonald's or something like that. Um, technology is a gift. I used to have to carry on tour two 40-pound Technique 1200s, my clothes, my crater records mm-hmm. all across America. Now I carry a laptop. Yeah. So I'm not mad at the technology. The technology is there to enhance your talents, but if you have no true talent, at some point it's going gonna, it's gonna to manifest. Like you said earlier, if you're an artist, you use auto-tune. Cool, use the auto-tune. What happens when you perform? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to get booed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the whole thing, man. Just it, uh, I'm happy with the state of DJing because there's some real dope young talent, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like In our crew and outside of our crew, there's a lot of dope talent people who went back and done their research who bought turntables and you know what I'm saying but you have to make that decision mm-hmm. in anything you do do you just want to do it just because you want to do it hustle or do you want to do it for real you understand what I'm saying that's why this is dope to see a physical copy like that's nostalgic like oh I used to walk to the store and get Source Magazine every yeah. you know what I'm saying like it's nostalgic so I have a I still have a, a storage of 50,000 pieces of vinyl. Mm-hmm. I'll go in a little by little and take a couple out and play with them every now and then because I'm a DJ. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it takes me far because when I go overseas, they don't care about all that shit. Yeah. They're going to look at you. You can be the illest DJ on the mic. They're like, shut up. What you finna do? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you got to show them something. So that's the whole thing, man. It's all about what the individual wants to do and how they want to approach it. But I'm happy with the culture, man. For those who abuse it and misuse it, it is what it is. It ain't going to last forever. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, in, in terms of uh, DJ, because I remember we talked about Screw, and uh, we talked about a few things when we was at the SEAs. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the DJs that inspire you that came after you? Some of the young, hmm. younger DJs that you see doing things that are innovating and taking mm-hmm. a different tactics. You're like, yo, mm-hmm. I like that shit. Yeah, like uh, first off, uh, a close inspiration just being around him was DJ Spins. Mm-hmm. When I first met him, he was probably 11, 10, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And he had confidence. He came up on guitar and said, Man, what's up, man? I'm DJ Spins. I do radio on Augusta, man. I got a rocket, rocket, man. I'm trying. Whoa, hold on. First off, <laughs> let me see your ID, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But what, what makes it so fun with him uh, and, you know, the crew of people around him is his. They, to be honest with you, Spins taught me how to have fun again in this because it became such a business. Mm. And I'm just always just like, mm. you know what I'm saying? And it's like, I will go to the party and he'll be in dancing and up. Yo, bro, you having a lot of fun, aren't you? Like, it's fun, bro. Like, we DJ. This is our life. This is, this is what we get paid for. And I start thinking about it, like, yeah, what if I had to, like, fast up my towel every day and. <clears throat> put on a suit and sit in a cubicle and you know not knocking nobody who does that but I have to brag about what I do yeah. I play music for a living yeah. most of the music I like you know what I'm saying <laughs> so it's like it just kind of you just kind of that, that's a big influence man I know that's just one person in the crew I can't think it's, it's some young dope cats bro it's not coming to me but I'll, I'll mention them in the interview but I know just firsthand that was the one of the first inspirations to me because he just made it fun yeah that's it no, like, like you, that's a, a, an amazing point, though. Like, it's so easy. You get caught up 
in the business, like mm-hmm. where you you man, you really forget. Like it was a reason why you started doing this shit. Right. Like, like when did you realize that? Um, I say when you got to that point where, like, it was this this fun thing that we're doing, mm-hmm. like with this music, mm-hmm. that it got kind of monotonous. Like where you just like it kind of just when when that just happened when I when my daily routine wasn't changing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like I said, bro, I, I used to, I, I think, I think one birthday bash, no lie, by Monday I sat down with Rip and Rip was like, all right, so I, I forgot what all we had to do. We said, all right, we got, uh, we got about nine mixtapes to get ready by Wednesday night at midnight. So I'm like, damn, I'm good, Rip, but I'm not that good. We're going to have to do something with somebody, man, but. Then I retracted back and I said, oh, you know what, bro? Just leave me in the crib. I'm going to make this happen when it happens. So uh, I think Cocaine Music 3 came out that week. Um, I can't remember. Like, a lot of mixtapes came yeah. out. This is Birthday Bash when everybody wanted to flood their CDs. And I knocked all of them out. Now, after that, because the promo was so good and it was so on point, because not only did we do the CD, like we were part of marketing and all that, Cause it, it just like kind of elevated the bus to the next the next step, so the phone was just ringing, ringing, ringing. So we're here, we're here, we're here. But what I found myself becoming was a mixtape. Mm-hmm. Like it was never. It started happening with even people around me. Like when's the next mixtape coming out? Mm-hmm. Just put out six this week. Can I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you put out three mixtapes this week. You're falling off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and in the airport, it was never like if people would stop saying "What's up, screen?" Like, bro, what's up? You got some mixtapes on you? So it's like I'm the I'm the dr- I'm the drug dealer. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> and it just came to a point where I always pay homage to it, but I was like, I just want to kind of get control over it and not let it control me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And that was just one thing because every mixtape, obviously, you're dealing with a new artist, yeah. right? So you're dealing with a new character, a new personality. Most good, some bad. So, um, just the monotony of, like, I like life, too. I like to be outside. I remember at that time buying my first luxury car. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I haven't even driven it. Like, I'm just sitting <laughs> here making mixtapes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I just kind of started controlling it and not having it control me and, and, and um, forcing some um, variety on my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, like okay, I'm going to make mixtapes, but I'm going to make the time to go to a strip club and and be embraced by the strippers who say I listen to your mixtapes I love you you know what I'm saying I'm a big time to uh, not just it was just mixtapes and then shows on the weekend mixtape shows on the weekend and I loved it but it became a little overwhelming so I had to break the monotony in I just didn't want to like have to debate with artists all day long and whatever the case was so I just broke the monotony myself you know what I'm saying okay. now when you say like even just the I guess debating with artists like um what is what is one of the I, I guess what you do in the mixtapes mm-hmm. and having to work with artists and mm-hmm. like even when like your story with Dolph like Dolph mm-hmm. and how you brought him up his willingness to learn and know and mm-hmm. accept that yo I don't I come from something else I don't know this I'm ready to learn well, as an entrepreneur Dolph is I, I can't even take credit I, he's always been on top of his business mm-hmm. so part of your business is your brand so you want mm-hmm. it to be right you yeah. know what I'm saying so there's never really been nothing with him I think uh, a lot of the times to be honest the most stressful part is the independence because mm-hmm. you're coming to someone who has a career mm-hmm. out of music and you don't mm-hmm. now granted please sell me your vision 
Mm-hmm. But if your vision don't make sense and your music don't make sense, I'm gonna tell you this don't make sense. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm also a passive aggressive person. Where I tell you once and I say, all right, we'll just do it your way. But remember, <laughs> I just want you to be right on this yellow pad right now. Remember, Scream says this ain't gonna work. Blah, blah. And the the problem with an independent is. A lot of times the mistakes are costly financially. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm like, yo, don't do it this way. Do it this way. You might save yourself twenty thousand yeah. dollars. You know what I mean? Going to uh, promote to an area like I tell people that's not from Atlanta. Twenty thousand dollars in Atlanta is <laughs> two thousand dollars. <laughs> it's like two hundred thousand in Alabama, bro. Like. Why would you not go home and embrace it? And not only are you just promoting yourself, you can give back to people while you're doing it. Because mm-hmm. Atlanta is a different. It's where we're in New York now. We're yeah. the center. We're the nucleus of the music. You know what I mean? So, um, at the end of the day, a lot of it is just independence. And I mean, some of the some of the roles for independence is going to be long. Some of them will never connect and then some of them who listen not just to me but other people like me and Bigger talk about this all the time because we deal with the most independence pretty much and me and Bigger always like yeah we try to keep these people focused we try to keep this we do it for the love really because there's a lot of DJs that won't even entertain independence you know what I'm saying so that's what it is and I think that's a a good point you bring it like because I will say like you and Bigger are those those two like who have you're national like you're you're like your brands you're not independent DJs mm-hmm. you're not on the come up mm-hmm. but you still maintain that connection to the streets and it's not it your your brand is so connected to the street that it's not out the norm to see you do a tape with someone I've never heard of and, mm-hmm. and like but it'd be like oh yeah there's some dope music mm-hmm. and you you're in a position to where you can really put someone on mm-hmm. so like when it comes to that like what is it outside of the music like we talk about character mm-hmm. what are those main traits that you look for in the character mm-hmm. uh, of the people that you work with as far as artists mm-hmm. and then how is it what's the best way or uh, best way for someone to connect with you um, I think I think just like I mentioned before man make it make it as organic or natural as you can um I tell independence all the time, like, uh, you know, I got family, I got to feed myself, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, so business is a part of it. But at the same time, um, you'd be surprised. Like, there's been a lot of artists that froze and they were like, yo, I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Blah, 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 blah. They were like, oh shit, that's because I pay attention. I pay yeah. attention a lot more than people think. You're gonna pay attention to somebody that's working. You feel me? Some of the names in this magazine I just asked about because I've seen them repeatedly. I might not have met them, but it's like, okay, I see them working. You feel what I'm saying? I might not have heard a record yet, but I see them working. I'm going to inquire. I pay real close attention to detail, especially of street music because I'm a passionate fan of it. You know what I'm saying? I want to know what's next. I was fortunate enough to be there in the primary phases of future Migos, Young Thug, Pee Wee Longway. So I was there. That excites me that I was there. Uh-huh, I had it before you killed me. You know what I'm saying? Like that excites me. You know what I'm saying? So I hate when one thing I was late on, kind of he was up on it was Rich Homie Kwan. Yeah, I hated it. Like oh, how did I miss this? Like you know what I'm saying? But there was a lot of music coming out at that time. So I'll, I'll make it as organic and natural as you can, and have a vision and have a game plan when you step to anybody in the industry that you think can help you get to the next level. Don't just be like, 
Oh, it was CD dog. Well, I had to write my name on it because I don't have, listen, bro. You have to get your shit together before I can help you get your shit together. You feel what I'm saying? That's the biggest thing. Now, I definitely want to talk talk to you about is mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Like in a sense that mixtape mixtapes, like a mixture of songs from different mm-hmm. artists, mm-hmm. like. Like, cause you know, I like we came up in a time where that's what mixtapes was. It was like this is this this DJ's interpretation of what's hot right now, mm-hmm. what you need to be checking out, mm-hmm. and that that brand. And you got tapes like that, but mm-hmm. it, it it like once the brand got so big, mm-hmm. everybody wanted to. Right. Yo, I need this stamp. Like, yeah. and how does it feel like? Not getting to do those type of tapes as much. Well, I still do them. I mean, um, as much. I ain't well, saying you well, still no, do. No, no, no. You got to think. I have two radio shows. Well, it, so yeah. weekly, you're still getting the mixtape. Got you. You're gotcha. getting the mix. You know what I'm saying? It's just that now it's like, man, do we want to? Uh, do we used to have to press up 10, 20, 30, 40, however many thousand CDs every uh, couple weeks and go person to person? All right, well, technology's here. Look. Turn on the radio, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's just what it is. And then you can get a more commercial, more localized Hood Rich Radio on 7.9 and you can get the, the real shit on Sirius. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's a mixtape. Yeah. People be trying to record it. Like, literally. You know what I'm saying? Surrounded by interviews, which is the same thing we used to do in the mixtapes. Like, if we had an artist, we'll ask some questions. Like, you're asking me, that's the host. Mm-hmm. So it's the same format. It's just now all... Uh, Man, I would much rather you tune in the series than have to mail all them boxes to Cali. Because we used to mail them to Cali, Ohio, Detroit, Texas. And, you know, it comes a time where you just got to play smarter. So I love the, the art of the mixtape. I feel what you're saying. Like, I'm such, I'm a major fan of that. But the reality is, uh, me and Drama was actually talking about this one day. There's no such thing as an exclusive no more. Yeah. If I put it on my tape and I got an exclusive and I put it right here and walk off and it's all over the internet five minutes yeah. later, you know what I'm saying? So there's the exclusive died. You know what I'm saying? There's no exclusivity to that. At least I know if I have a whole project of this person's particular music, then it's going to live a little longer. You know what I'm saying? So, um, the, the mixtape culture is still there. There's some people that do it, but I think it's just more digitalized now to where you, you can just... And, and then a, a, Apple Music is has attacked the DJ, man. <laughs> Make your own mixtape for $9.99 a that month. Was the, that was the other thing I was about to ask. $9.99 now, a month. Now everybody just put their own playlist together. It don't have to be whatever. 60 minutes. It can be five hours. Just <laughs> press here. I'm like, well, I, I can't compete with that. Like, what, what do you think about the prospect of doing something like like a, like a your own personal like curation list on an Apple? I've been what? doing them. Actually, I did a, uh, I did two. I did a uh, free, free Gucci at the top of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put something my favorite tracks um, on Apple Music together and sent it out to the fans. Got a real good response. He he tweeted it out too. Um, and then I just did a Happy Birthday Ross mm-hmm. playlist last week where I just shot that out. That did real good too. So I've been doing them. I, I'm not a, you know, I never, I'm, I guess the, the proper thing is I'm not afraid of progression. I'm not afraid of success. So I know that I can't. You know what I mean? There's some people that are like, oh, I miss cassette tapes. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss cassette tapes. Like you're Dumbest. tripping, man. You know what I mean? Like you're tripping, man. Like you have to move with the times. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I miss vinyl. Yes, we all do as DJs. But yeah. do I miss cassette tapes? No. If CDs go you miss away. four tracks? No. Exactly. Why? Why? You know what I'm saying? Like... You can say I miss those days. I yeah. get it because there's a certain nostalgia and feeling that comes with it. But if I can have everything on my phone, if that's where we moving, then there it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah. What, what do you use as far as controller? Oh, it's, it's, you still, still use CDJs. You still use CDJs. I've, I've been. I've had to encounter some controllers on the road. Um, I'm anti-controller, but see, the corporations don't. Um, what I loved about turntables and the Technic 1200s, mm-hmm. they made so much money off of them off of the years because it was the standard. Yeah. Then came the CDJ. You're making money off of them. Corporations now are so greedy, and I hope this doesn't hurt no future endorsements, but it is what it is. That they don't want to see you happy with your your like your artillery, your artillery. Like it's like, okay, we don't we. It's kind of like the iPhone thing. Yeah. We don't want to make five hundred million. Why don't we go for two billion? Yeah. And they put out all this equipment, and it caters to the handicaps. It caters to the handicaps of people who don't have a certain talent. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So. Don't get it can back damn near mix for right. you, it can damn near scratch <laughs> for you, it can do everything. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? And um, at the end of the day, I just blame the corporations. But can you blame them? Because they're corporations. And they're yeah. here to make money. Do they care about the art, the culture? Like That's where the controller came from. I know it's a smaller, more efficient way to travel and move around. And I'm not mad at that, but... It just kind of dumbs down the art a little more, in my opinion. And I've encountered situations where I have to use them. I can't fight it. You yeah. know what I'm saying I have to learn how to. You have to. Lo- I have to learn how to use them. You know what I mean? But I'm not the biggest fan of them though. Okay. Now, uh, there was another question I was going to ask you, just in relation to um, Atlanta, like the. Let's rewind back to your time coming up in the clubs. Mm-hmm. Like, from going back from, like, because I think the first time I met you was, like, over at Crucial. I think it was, to like, one of Pete Brown's events, like, over at, <laughs> over at Crucial. Right. Like, just the progression of, of the, the club scene and, and the culture. Like, do you feel that it's as easy to break records in the club now as it was then because it seemed like when I first moved down here and when I first like mm-hmm. like there were there were each club scene was a little different mm-hmm. like it was like it was one thing in Bankhead it was one thing in Stone mm-hmm. Mountain it was one thing but now it's kind of like homogenized like yeah. where well they took away you know they took away the projects man mm-hmm. um, when, when um, D4L records were broke right there between the pool palace, mm-hmm. pool playing crucial, everybody from Lowe's hood or their hood would come and support them, and if, and I actually got introduced going to the pool palace because I'm coming from the crunk era on the east side. Yeah. So we all all those records broken like the east side bounce and club chocolate and the atrium and all that, and um uh, here I go to the west side. And I'm going here like, well, I wonder how West Side music sounds. That sounds crazy, right? It's Atlanta, it's 20 months. I wonder how West Side music sounds. And they're in there dancing and snapping. And it's like booty shakes slowed down. And I see this guy with these shades on. Later came to be Favo doing these crazy dances. And I'm like, in a weird way, this shit is kind of dope. And I took that back to the East Side. That's mm-hmm. why they embraced me so much. Because I was the first DJ on the, on the East Side playing West Side, that West Side music. You yeah. feel me? And playing all that. And everybody was like... Wow, this is a whole different thing. So they embraced me for that. I salute them for that. But um, basically, when all the projects got tore down mm-hmm. and when everybody had to scatter, that was one issue. Um, a lot of clubs got closed down because of you know nonsense, violence, or whatever the case is. Um, um, now you got a lot of hookah lounges. 
you get two, three hundred people at a hookah lounge, it's cool, but it's not like obsessions where Spins yeah. is in there with Tank breaking the record like Rex and Rex. It's easy to do. You had 2,500 kids every, every week. Yeah. So 1,500 of them go talking about the record. There you have it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a little harder now. Um, I think that people are just kind of following uh, social media a little more. Um, we, have, we have to be honest with ourselves um, as far as just saying um, social media is big for breaking records now. You know what I mean? That's just kind of what it is. You can still get it done in the streets, but it's even harder work because mm-hmm. it's not like, okay, I'm going to go to Pool Palace. We used to have a list, you know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. we run artists. You go to Pool Palace, you go to Crucial, you go to Blue Flame. Boom, West Side, done. You go to Figure Eight, go to South Side, you go to Ritz, you know what I'm saying? You go to um, a couple other spots on the South Side, you go East, you might go to Blaze, you might go to, um, I can't remember all the East Side clubs. There used to be the Mirage, that's clothes, uh, Chocolate, whatever the case is, Club Q, North Side, Red Train, whatever. And then by the end of that run, you had your feedback. At the end of the run, we'll say, okay, they fucking with you or they not fucking with you. And you know what it was. It's possible to do that now. There's 10 hookah lounges on Claremont. <laughs> so you got to go into every hookah lounge. That's 10 different DJs. It's hard enough dealing with one DJ. Yeah. So now you got to not like it's the, 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 the dynamics of it has just changed. But at the end of the day, um, social media plays a more important part, is what I'm getting at. But the streets are still relevant. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, if you go into Magic City, go for the right reason. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Don't just go throw your money away. Make sure that if you're an artist, you know what I mean, you can you can your spin on and, and let people know I'm the artist throwing this money. So if I'm rapping about all this money, you see it. It kinda yeah. puts the story together, you feel me? Now, when you uh the the with the Hoover Lounge, it's just how everything kinda broke up. Um and talking about breaking the record, like Alluding back to what you said earlier about the is there really no exclusives. Now, how do you feel about the term like when breaking records? Because I see it. It's like a lot of people say that they breaking records, mm-hmm. and it's like they be like national artists. Like, what, what constitutes breaking no. records? What's the difference between being the first person just, to play a record that's about the? It's inevitable and actually like what you were talking about going everywhere and getting the feedback and seeing if this is gonna work. Okay. Being the first person to play a record isn't necessarily the same thing as being the person to break the record, mm-hmm. right? Some strippers break records. Mm-hmm. You feel me? It's that moment. Like there's been moments where, if it's a specific type of night at a specific strip club, and the girl dances to it and she does her thing, and we hear this record, she helped to break that record. Mm-hmm. Some DJs do break records. You understand what I'm saying? I think a defining point. Luke Nasty, the might be record yeah. in Atlanta. They give me credit for breaking that breaking that record because they say, hey, when you play the record. We start getting a lot of traction in Atlanta and phone calls and stuff like that. It's a defining moment when the record goes to a new level. If you take the hood, most hood record in, in the world and bring it to me and I break it in Atlanta or through the whole South, whatever the case is, in hip hop, even if I break it all in hip hop, the reality is if Skrillex or one of these EDM DJs, David Guetta, do a remix and put it at a festival with a bunch of people who don't even listen to rap and you're now known in that world, he broke that record in that platform. You understand what I'm saying? So, I think just 
with the breaking records thing, first off, I think people need to like you really want to know about breaking records from a club perspective. Yeah. And you haven't you're in Atlanta, you haven't been to a um uh DJ Jelly or Swamp Izzle or T Rock party or a club, you understand what breaking records is. DJ Jelly broke baby D in it like you went and you heard it like it was radio. Mm-hmm. So every thirty minutes we're playing baby D East Side, West Side. That's what it is. So the same bougie girls that used to be in the club at SLs, I remember, oh I hate this record. At twelve o'clock by one thirty, oh this is the shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's just what it is. Yeah, I don't know, break a record. They know it was one of those moments for me. They yeah. had a two-hour radio show. I used to play it six times. Mm-hmm. My boss used to say, you can't play, you know, you can't play a record more than 20. Okay, I got you, okay. <laughs> I'm letting people know I believe in this record so much that I'm willing to risk my job to play this record. You know what I'm saying? Walker had this thing going in the streets. I went and cleaned up, oh, let's do it myself. He heard it and broke it on 107.9 via that audience. Something that was a complete no-no, like, you can't play that on radio. Like, you curse every three seconds. That took me a long time to make an edit good enough just so they could hear his voice in the beat. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, just please take the credit for breaking records, but let's not take it. Just because I broke a record doesn't mean you didn't break the record. Mm-hmm. You might have broken via visuals. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, let's, let's take the credit for it, but at the same time, let's give the proper credit to other people that's involved in these movements with breaking these artists and these records. Now, I think an important thing, powerful thing that you just said, like, with the breaking the record, you put effort into it. Like, it just it just didn't pop up in your inbox and you, all right, I'm going I'm to put it on my playlist. Right. Like, you actually went and cleaned up records. You actually yeah. went out to these. You risked your job for, like, like I mean, when you're breaking a record, you leaning into it. Like, it's, it's some people who claim that they break records that's just, like, uh, that's what we plan. Okay, then, all right, and then want to tag along for the mm-hmm. the credit. And, I, and I, I just wanted to put that out there to kind of clarify for people who listening, like what what is the difference mm-hmm. in be, between breaking records, even from a DJ perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you you've been responsible you've been responsible for breaking a lot of mm-hmm. not even just records like really artists like because you you've taken like artists that you've worked with because mm-hmm. you're your brand and name was so hot that they gave them that look. And I don't even say break. I just say I was a part of their movement from the beginning or early. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And if they want to personally thank me, then that makes it even better. And the people realize that it makes it better. One struggle I always had is the streets have always known, but the industry has been disconnected. Yeah. I love all the New York DJs, all of this from top to bottom, but before that record made it to Flex, Mm-hmm. It went through a channel Not just me it went through a channel Before it made it to him You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying So um, Even to hear that Sometimes it's kind of like Alright Flex You know Respecting everything Alright man Not gonna say I broke a main on record <laughs> Something happened up there For it to make it down here Say I broke a Fetty White record Something mm-hmm. happened up there Before it made it down here You understand what I'm saying So it's just about All of us being on one Respectful accord And understanding who's who and who does what and everybody just being honest when people come to me and ask me about the Rico Richie record I bring up Infamous mm-hmm. oh what don't you know I did what I did first time I heard it put me on to was MLK and Infamous mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so you have to just give credit to people I think it's dope to give credit to people you know what I'm saying that, and that, that's uh you're so humble <laughs> it's, 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 it's just an accuracy man because it's not 
if you go tell a lie, I'm not doing a disservice to anybody but yeah. myself. I lied. If you're God-fearing, I lied. Yeah. Why would I lie about it? It's like, give the person their credit. That's what Hood Rich is built off of. Um, my family is here. I would tell Spins, he, he, I, like, I would say, I'll, I'll be 20 times bigger than me. You feel me? Reach for the stars. We all family. We all play for the team. But everybody want the MVP. Yeah. Swamp, go hard, take over the streets. I hope you want to sell tickets. No, forget. You know what the reality is? Right now, you have the streets. Mm-hmm. I've been in Europe. <laughs> you have the streets. You know what I'm saying? That's cool, man. It's like, that's the dope part. That's what keeps it going. If we want this culture to keep going, we have to embrace each other. There will be beefs, there will be competitions, there'll be all that. But we have to embrace each other, embrace each other to keep it going. And it, it, it fears me in Atlanta sometimes because we have this stiff energy. Mm-hmm. And you gotta know how we get like to look at a video at one point in time, and you gonna remember this like clear day and see Lil John, Pastor Troy, Ti, everybody in one video. Mm-hmm. I had New York friends that would call me like, "Yo, y'all get down like this, son. We can't do that up here." Mm-hmm. Like they would say that like, yeah. "No, nah, they can't. Not without somebody shooting. Y'all all can come together and." Uh, so, well, it looks good, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It looks good, regardless of whatever ego you might have. Like, let's just come together, unless it's something really to be divided, you know, divided by. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just come together, and that's how people ask why um, Atlanta stays where they are. Like, we generally don't, you know, be on it that tough. People have their issues, yeah. but we don't be on it that tough. Like, it is what it is. We can do collaborations. We can do features with each other. You can be from one side of town, other person can be from the other side of town, represent two clicks, and make great music. You know what I'm saying? What, what sport do you play? Sport? Yeah. Video games? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, the reason why I ask is you make a lot of sports analogies. Oh, I love it. I watch it. <laughs> okay. I watch it daily. Do I play it? Nah, you think I'll be, man, this would be a whole different interview. I'll be talking about, yeah, so I'm going to the champ- championship next weekend. <laughs> nah, man. I, I, I respect athletes because um, I've always took a, taken an athletic approach to my um to my craft, mm-hmm. meaning do your reps, practice. Like somebody might hit me in the morning, and be like, "Y'all practicing? What are you practice for? You already made it." No, you know what I'm saying? Like if it's something you love, you practice. You know what I'm saying? And I see athletes practice. They follow a certain diet so they can be in shape and stuff like that. And I treat like radio and parties the same way. Like I don't go to no party and be falling asleep and be don't have the energy for the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like. I treat it the same way. So that's why I make those references. No I, a lot of those are my influences. And it's crazy because I've had like athletes tell me, we listen to your mixtapes to get pumped up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To hear your voice and to hear that hood shit you be playing. So it's dope. Nah, that's definitely what's up. So even with, um, like like you were saying with, with Hood Rich and how like Swamp has the streets right now. And, mm-hmm. and like everybody has their, their, contribution in their areas of expertise or where they're strongest at mm-hmm. and like how it all comes together mm-hmm. and it's like a kind of a compliment to what, what you were saying on the larger scale with Atlanta like how everybody being able to come together mm-hmm. um, like when we we talk you talk about and you brought up little John and Pastor Joy and all these people in the mm-hmm. video do you see that as much with like this this newer wave no you don't and, and what what do you think that Wow, it's a different Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Back then, from the struggles that Ball and G and UGK went through, was they won't even play. Okay, 
we sell a major artist might go platinum mm -hmm. we sell 500,000 independently mm -hmm. and they won't play us on Rap City that mm -hmm. was the struggle in the 90s that was talked about before Outkast kind of broke the doors because they had a power force like LaFace if it wasn't booty shaped music Tootsie Roll or Bankhead they didn't even take us seriously as hip hop artists mm -hmm. until Andre 3000 and CeeLo Green and uh, Goody Goody Outkast you know the dungeon came through and, and stood on that stage and said look the South got something to say mm -hmm. it's kind of like history you know what I'm saying it's kind of yeah. like slavery all over again <laughs> we weren't even embraced yeah. we weren't even mentioned you couldn't mention us upon they wouldn't mention us mm -hmm. as far as who's the best lyricist or who's the best DJs. It's still tough to this day. I look at some of these like war shows, some other demographics, and it's like, oh, really? You're not going to mention anybody from the South? Like, mm -hmm. really? You know what I'm saying? So I think that all the struggle was different. It's the same thing. We fought to sit in the front of the bus so that we can go on the bus and sit in the back of the bus. Mm -hmm. Same mentality. People die so we can sit in the front of the bus. Then once they said, okay, you can sit in the front, or oh, I want to sit in the back. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing here. So it's like we fought to get through the door to say, we, just so that some of these artists can say, I. It'll never, like, I'm not going to say, like, there's not an artist that has a hold on um, Atlanta music. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But it's like, you got to understand, like, this is a we type of place. Not only Atlanta, but the South. It's a we type of place. It's territory from Texas. To Florida, that's the South. Yeah, feel what I'm saying. There's no territory like it. Ask Boosie. You can make a living off just the South. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? That's it. Just that territory. So I think it's just a lot of I I I mentality, and um, a lot of just ego. A lot of times when you sit around the artists and you just hear it's just ego. It's just like it's nothing personal or nothing crazy. It's just ego, but. The artists that sit in the particular places they sit now have to know the struggles that, you know, UGK and 8-Ball MJG, Tony Draper, Jay Prince, the struggles they had to go through. And even though it wasn't that much of a struggle, they made a lot of money independently. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the struggles we had to go through to get the respect. The, the BT Hip Hop Awards are in Atlanta. Yeah. Not in New York. Yeah. They're in Atlanta. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And it took a lot to get there. And it's important that the younger generation know that and not take that for granted you know what I mean well it, that, that's an interesting point because like I talked to my wife about this is because like my son like we, we just got cable mm -hmm. like we've had always had like Hulu Netflix mm -hmm. all that so he's used to watching whatever mm -hmm. he wants to watch and so mm -hmm. it's like when we got cable he was watching the show for the first time he's like why do they keep stopping the show? Like, because he didn't know what commercials was. Right. So, so like, yeah. he comes into the world and he assumes that this is how it's always been. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the world as he know it and this is the way that it's always been. So it's like, with a lot of these, this, this generation of artists, mm -hmm. they come in not having any context for the struggle or anything, the mm -hmm. things that you spoke of, mm -hmm. unless we let them know. Mm-hmm. So it's like how do you like how do you let them know? Like how do you, you like tell them. Uh, that was my whole part of put that was my whole point of putting out grip and grain because everybody's like, well how did you end up getting Big Kurt with Scotty with eight ball and new generation's not gonna know eight fuck the new generation mm -hmm. and what they think. This is eight ball nigga. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you didn't know this is eight ball. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? So you got Big Crit who's established, you got Scotty who's rising, getting established, you got the legend eight ball, right? 
And the OGs called me like, man, that was dope, man, musically and just the idea of it. I've never been afraid to take risks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I had Future, like, in two change. When I got my first major deal, mm -hmm. I went and got Future, two change, Yo Gotti, Gucci, Walker. Mm -hmm. You feel me? When the label told me, go get Lil Wayne. I don't know Lil Wayne. <laughs> no disrespect. I don't know Lil Wayne. I'm going to get the people I know and I feel are dope, and that's going to be mega stars a year or two from now. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, you, you just let them know. We oh, shout to out to Gotti too on the on that DM yeah. success too. Yeah, shouts to Gotti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, definitely shouts to Gotti. All those are people who, like I said before, work at it. They never stop. People who know Gotti know how how long he been at it. You yeah. feel me? So he deserves every every part of success that comes to him. You know yeah. And like that's a, that's a interesting like even bringing him up and, and with the work with him just like for him today like just now like with this record like like we've been fucking with Gotti for years but his first number one it takes like, certain like, it takes certain things you know what I'm saying um it took Boosie to get incarcerated for them to appreciate Boosie for yeah. real you know what I'm saying it's crazy like Boosie was a god in the South and Midwest. Yeah. And then when he got incarcerated, people started to see and listen to his music. It took incarceration. Luckily, it was just incarceration. Sometimes yeah. it takes death. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, we just got to pay closer attention. Like, I I love, like, I'm from the South, so I embrace it. But, like, even the fiasco last week with Max B, mm -hmm. I kind of felt a certain way, too. Because I'm a big Max B fan. Mm -hmm. I paid attention before, like... I listened to that before, like when Max B was the guy and French was trying to come up. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So same thing with West Coast music. Like it's dope. Like I heard Mustard Beats early on. Mm -hmm. And I would always say to me, like, he's on to something. You know what I'm saying? He's on to something that the whole world might not catch on to, but they will because he has a vision for his sound. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like you have to embrace if if you're gonna embrace the culture, what I'm trying to say is kinda embrace it fully, you know what I'm saying? Don't make it just a regional or sectional thing. If it's dope, it's dope. Period. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a interesting point because it kind of feels like that's that a bit of that's been lost with that's the that's the flip side of the internet and everything. Like mm -hmm. like the the regional sounds have been lost. Mm. Like people, people are afraid to stand on whatever they do. Like I think that's one of the things I gotta applaud for Texas. Mm. Like Texas has a Texas sound, and they keep a Texas sound. Mm. Like every, it seems like Atlanta has its sound, mm. and then you got Midwest doing the Atlanta sound, and then mm. you got the New York version of the Atlanta sound, and you got the like everyone's like that's what's selling. Like we, we kind of lost that regional. Mm -hmm. um, those regional sounds and I think a lot of that comes back to, to the DJs mm -hmm. and the fact that losing control of the playlists at mm -hmm. the radio stations where mm -hmm. like yo these are in red like these mm -hmm. are, you, you can play you got two that you can play outside of this mm -hmm. list like how do you feel about that the like as far as the and, and you're blessed because you're serious where you got a lot more control mm -hmm. with your with your show but mm -hmm. In, in terms of like the the local and regional radio again it's a corporation when you build a corporation and you you have a business i have a business um any business for that matter the purpose of your business is to make money mm -hmm. so they're going to look at it and what happens is on um, radio and advertising the bigger the music you play then it's like the advertiser says well they play big music you know what i'm saying they play future drake silento whatever whatever's hot Rihanna, whatever the case is, they want to advertise with that. You feel me? Um, they might not get that 
you can advertise with. See, people, people. What happens is, and it's not just radio. People are afraid. They're afraid to take risks. They're afraid to take chances. They're afraid to like. They're afraid. Like they put all that money in the stock market mm-hmm. with an unknown that may or may not. A lot of it. They won't put a little money into another unknown that could potentially be more successful than that stock market. So it's just fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In um, a corporate structure, it's like everybody has to follow the rules or you lose your job, right? Yeah. I'm blessed. It's not me being arrogant. It's hard for me to follow rules. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I'm my own boss, so it's like I'll follow them, but I'm going to have to bend them a little. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm going to have to do something for it to make sense for me. So, uh, I think that's just basically what it is. I'm not going to blame it solely on radio and solely on those corporations. I think it's just everything. Because what? If the people really didn't want to hear the same music over and over, mm-hmm. they're protest radio. So, there's some genius to it that I've learned from my bosses at local radio that, look, people tune in, right? Yeah. Even I learned from having a woman, she said, I don't like new music. I hate that shit. Mm-hmm. She's like, tell me to play some familiar shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear new music. I don't even understand. I don't know the words yet. Yeah. That's how some women look at it. You know yeah. what I mean? So there's a happy medium for everything. And I think it's doper than ever now because now you have streaming. You have options. Now you have regular radio if you want to ride to that. Now you have serious streaming. You have a lot of different ways to listen to your music. You know what I'm saying? So I think that, again, that's just me not fighting it. You know what I mean? I'm a new music advocate of it. Yeah. I can't. Music's old to me two days later. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? I love down and deal to death. I don't hear it no more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I always just like, you know, it's like I consume it at a high rate because yeah. at the rate I used to make mixtapes, I have to go to the next. I can't get attached to a song too much. It's like I need a new record. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, that's still in me. That's still embedded in me where, um, you know, I like new music, but everybody doesn't. Kids too. You'd be surprised. You know what I'm saying? Kids don't like new music. Trust me. I try to do some events for little kids, and they're like, "Who? Oh, you gotta play all that old new music." No. You know what I'm saying? We want to hear the familiar. So it is. is. Like having done that, like, and that's something we talked about with other DJs. It's just uh, like music is. I guess it, it's, it's less about the, the music than the emotions that it pulls out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, them emotions is tied to memories. Like, mm-hmm. like it's certain records, when they come on, mm-hmm. you remember being at the palace. You mm-hmm. remember, like, it's all these scenarios that come with that record. Mm-hmm. So, it, it versus the new record, where it's like, yeah, it's dope. But even explaining to artists, when they want to get their record played at the height of the club. Like, even a new Jay-Z record, a new Tip record ain't gonna elicit the response that you think, and they know that person, but it's just like, now I'm just an observer and I'm taken out of my club mode where I'm I'm in the video, I'm not in the video anymore, I'm in the studio. Oh, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> and I think that's just easy, I think that's easy if anybody just understands the protocol of how stuff should be. Now this is gonna contradict what I just said because <laughs> You kind of can't always follow the protocol. You have to go against it. But you have to, sometimes you have to come to your senses, all right? Artists are generally very egotistical, full of themselves, self-centered type of people. So it's like, me, 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 my music, my record, me, me, me. Now. So I'm going to tell you what I used to do in the hood club. Not in the bougie clubs, what I used to do in the hood clubs that I was doing. All right? 
Somebody come up to me, the local dope boy, whatever. I oh, got three, four, five, whatever, hundred play my song. Whatever. I said, oh, do you want to pay the dog? I'll let you perform it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you gonna let me perform, dog? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let you perform. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Niggas be struggling through the two, three minutes. So put somebody in that platform where they gotta be in front of people. Mm-hmm. And what you gotta stand where the crowd is, even if you're in the hood, you got hood people, you got suburban girls, you got people from here, people from there, people from there, people celebrating birthdays, they want yeah. that party to be memorable. Let them perform. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I used to tell the club, this is why this is happening, because you don't have any rope off to the DJ booth, so a million people can get to me. So I'm just letting you know that this is why this happens. And it's helping you because I don't have to raise the price on you because I'm getting paid to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so let them perform. You know, and, and when I say perform, like, open mics are cool. Mm-hmm. You're there amongst your peers. Other artists trying to make it. Go perform. Mm-hmm. Go to the palace and perform. Mm-hmm. Wall to wall pack. Perform right after a future record. Make it even better. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> test yourself. Like, test yourself. Go yeah. perform. You, you feel me? That's what it is. And they'll think about, oh, I don't want to do it right in the future record. Right? <laughs> then you're not ready. So that's what I mean by understanding protocol. You feel me? There's so much more you can do at a club. Um, show up. Um, have support. Um, be in uniform. Um, promote outside the club. Uh, buy girls drink there's so many different ways you can get your music across but people want to hear their music in the club at the peak time so with me just know if you come to screen hey check right I'm gonna let you perform (laughs) and I'm playing future right before it and Fetty Wap (laughs) you know what I'm saying and you gonna perform you gonna let me you showing love I really am showing you love but you know what I mean it is what it is and every now and then you know to be honest I can't think of was it it wasn't young rock. It's 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 a couple names that'll rock that shit. And you uh-huh. come back from that bathroom like, oh shit, he rocking this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like and then you learn, like, all right, well shit, I gotta play your shit. You don't even try to pay me no more. I have to play your shit because they like it. Hey. You set me up. Hey. You feel me? You already knew you you already knew your record was popping. So crime off. That was yeah. one of those situations when we used to do the atrium parties, like they be like, no, I'm telling you, like, we got it. Like, we run this side of town. Like, or y'all are all of two foot two. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> but when they got on that stage, it was a wrap. You know what I'm saying? So that's just all it is, man. Every artist is, sometimes they don't see the clear vision, but you have, the, the, sometimes they don't see clear, but you have to, you know what I mean? Let them see it. Let them see it for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like you said, like, just talking about, how you make the recommendations for them and like mm-hmm. they don't I used to be that uh, that guy who would, would argue with them like yo no no like try to keep them from mm-hmm. like bro you gonna waste $30,000 on this and it's like like you don't even have the money to go support the record why are you doing a national radio campaign and you can't you can't go out to Seattle like so it's just like those type of situations where and, and that's what I've been trying to do. Part of what I'm moving towards is um, because it's kind of leaking information. I've been brainstorming and kind of jotting notes for um for some type of uh, you know book, DVD, something that's kind of just like, you know, you, we all got to share the game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like we ain't gonna be here forever. So it's like, um, just kind of letting people know. You know what I mean? Um, giving them the game so they'll know the smartest things to do as an independent. And you, when you commit yourself to music, knowing what kind of commitment it is to it. I got a college degree. Yeah. My family thought I was fucking stupid. 
<laughs> when I said I'm going hard, like I came out with an engineering degree, so I could have easily came out making close to six figures. Mm-hmm. You don't work at the tar center, you have a degree. What's your problem? Like, you know, drugs, you feel me? So <laughs> you have to, you got to be willing to um, first really sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a lot of overnight people that get overnight records, overnight hits. They usually don't last, and they end up having to go back to do whatever they got to do. <clears throat> but understand the sacrifice you really got to put into this. Like, when you sacrifice, it's almost like being a doctor. You, you ain't no full part-time doctor. No longer you go to school, you're responsible for people's lives. Mm-hmm. You dedicated yourself to this. So when I came into this, it's kind of like, all right, well, this is what they've kind of deemed me. One of the people that helps street artists get out of the streets into the music industry. I take that seriously. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't take it lightly. You know what I'm saying? So you have to kind of really know why you're doing it and really have a purpose with it. And I want to I wanna help the next 10, 20 years somehow with my knowledge understand, look, as an independent artist, these are the these are the smart things to do. Nothing's guaranteed with music. Yeah. You gotta understand there's big records from big artists that come out that they put millions into that tank. You feel me? So nothing's guaranteed with music because people's moods and emotions change. Yeah. Music changed when Obama got in office. It's gonna change because he's gonna get out. It yeah. changes. The story changes. You know what I'm saying? The shit that Jeezy rapped about before Obama was there, Trap or Die, had to turn into the recession. Mm-hmm. Which turned into something else. You feel what I'm saying? So it changes. Like, and there's no guarantee in music. This you can feel real good about a record. It can sound like a hit, and a hit is a hit. Don't get me wrong, but nothing's guaranteed in music. Mm-hmm. And I think that's dope that you 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 putting that out there. If only there was like a platform, like maybe some some physical printed that was like fifteen thousand of them that got sent out to like studios and label mm-hmm. offices mm-hmm. that you could put that information in. Mm-hmm. Like you know, every quarter. That's a good idea, man. It sounds so, it sound like you're already on it. It sounds like you're already on it. Oh, no, no, but it's important. Like this is important, and all of it is important. It's just important. Like it just it, it goes all back to your character as a person. And me saying, well, I don't want a lot of art. You know how many artists I say, hey, listen, this doing a project with me is not a magic wand that you're gonna do a project with me and become famous. There are people who've done projects with me yeah. and became famous. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong, but you know, there there been there been times where it's like working with like Ross. He was like, I just need you right here. What do you mean, where I do me? No, I just need you to talk right here. Mm. This is where I need you to talk. <laughs> that was the biggest I talk right there in my life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there's artists who already have it together. You know what I'm saying? It's just about bringing people around you together and in your team to understand your vision and where you're going. And I say that so many times in this interview because it's important. Kind of have a plan, know where you're going. That plan could be distorted by a lot of yes men, yeah. your homies, and you always just, you know, how or whatever. And it's like, all your homies are like, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Oh, yeah, that's hard. If it's your homie, tell them it, you don't yeah. like it. You feel me? Even if you still go with it, like, people got to be real. That's another thing that's a hard thing working with independence. Like, I want your honest feedback. Yeah. They want your honest feedback. Then you give them honest feedback, they don't want to talk to you no more. Yeah. yeah he, um. hate, he hate it. <laughs> I'm hating on you. You came to me, but I'm hating on you. You dig? Like, it's a beautiful game, man. You got to love the pros and the cons of it. I think that's that's the interesting thing, like, with doing the magazine and dealing with independence. Like, one of the, the biggest questions we ought to get, especially when people want to advertise or do something, like, is like, 
well, who who famous than been in the magazine? Uh, who 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 done blew up out the magazine? Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, uh, an honest question, like you know, Young Thug was in the magazine before he popped off. Bob, like Mike Will, like mm-hmm. I remember Mike Will. The issue he was in, like personally, it was our first year. We went down to the BET Awards. We mm-hmm. had a, a, a what's the name over at Interscope. Mm-hmm. Personally, put down there like a hundred magazines out in the office. I was, I was places I wasn't supposed to be, mm. like sliding them under doors and shit. So, mm. but it's like for, and that's always an uncomfortable question because all they want to hear is say, "Yeah, we did that." But it's mm. like that would be to take credit from his talent and his mm. work and everything that he did with Gucci and everything that Be Rich and TJ did. Like, mm. and I think that's one of the points, like with what you just said and what you were talking about earlier, where. Like no one breaks one person break. I may break it in this area. Like mm-hmm. you may see someone in the magazine and find out some information that you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Or like I've had people who made contacts just from calling someone in the magazine and they end up getting a management and then their career went to a whole different place. But mm-hmm. I didn't I wasn't responsible. I was a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think we all collectively are like uh, a part of a lot of these artists and a lot of lot of each other's story mm-hmm. like from from me seeing you and then a lot of the artists that you broken and a lot of your tapes that you put out even mm-hmm. me dealing with chameleon and a mm-hmm. lot of the people like mm-hmm. i remember swamp was like in one of our real early issues and mm-hmm. just watching him grow and mm-hmm. watching him what he's been doing since he's been over there with y'all like mm-hmm. it is is dope shit to see someone like especially your stature and, mm-hmm. and um, really like how you've been re-emphasizing this throughout the whole interview mm-hmm. is the the fact that it's a it's a collective effort mm-hmm. in everything mm-hmm. and everything that that goes on like even for me like with the like I said with the magazine it's my magazine but it ain't my magazine yeah, you always get help yeah. if they successful have help so. So that's, I think, like, one of the biggest things that I really would like for everyone to take away from this mm-hmm. is, is just that 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 aspect of it. Like, you know, beyond the radio and uh, what, hot, mm-hmm. serious, mm-hmm. mixtapes, mm-hmm. Ross, the whole MMG, everything, mm-hmm. that it, it's, it's a collective effort. Like, yeah. scream is the face, but it, it's like, like the hood rich movement and <laughs> everything that you have going on is is real yeah yeah no there's so many people that play a part i i I, I never i have never even sat down and did an interview without mentioning this there might be people i didn't mention that i mentioned in another interview that's just what it is like you just can't no there's no (coughs) michael jackson had help (laughs) you know what i'm saying like this is not you have you have help and and an important part is just to know no matter how big you get you know, you might not be able to uh, babysit a person, but give them some credit, show them some love, do this or do that, open the door, you know what I'm saying? Like, do something just to show show some love back. And it gets tough because on your road to, you know, talking to, to uh, 2 Chains one time in the studio, on your road to getting there, especially if it's a long road, mm-hmm. there's a lot to remember every town you cross <laughs> get to that road. So you have to be realistic in that respect, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you know, Understand that you were part of a long road. Your blessings will come how they come. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of how you got to do it, man. So that that's what it come down to at the end of the day, man. Like I said uh, earlier, just just uh, the biggest thing of it all in this industry that sometimes is lacked is just respect. 
Come on, showing bro. each other respect. That's what it comes back down to, like, respect. You don't have to like everybody because we know we got people that we don't care for in the industry. You yeah. know, it happens, but I'm a, you're showing respect. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's all it is. And as long as everything is respectful, everybody can do what they're supposed to be doing, which is, A, doing it because you love to do it, and B, feeding your family. You know what I mean? That's what we all do it for. Like, we, we're happy to be able to dress down and do our job every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a, um, an important point with, uh, I guess, on this creative side, like being a DJ and being an artist and being a producer, where we kind of gotten to a point. I don't know. I don't know who instilled this, but it's like, like you shouldn't be doing it for the money. Like, there's like, if you ask an artist why you do it, I do it for the love. I want to change. I want to show. I want to rap. I'm like, okay, so if you accomplish all that, let me get 100% of your publishing then. I'll help you do all that for 100% of your publishing. Well, that comes from what you call so called purist that um, they just talk that purist talk. <laughs> I don't know, bro. Like I said, I came up on Tony Draper and Jay Prince, bro. I don't understand that, man. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't be don't 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 compromise our culture for the money. Yeah. Meaning that don't you know, so many independents come to me and say they had dealings with situations where it's like um, they lost their money or they lost a good portion of their money. Um, a lot of times coming from the streets, it might be their last money. Mm-hmm. I always try to tell people like, that's your last money. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like this is music, meaning that yeah, you want to invest half your money, or whatever the case is, and you got more income coming in, however it comes, then, okay, cool, that's a conversation, that's something to talk about, but, you know, that still goes back to the same thing, man, just respect, man. you know what I mean, respect the culture, and, and respect the blessings that come along with it, and then, all um, we, we gotta think, you know, we are where we are, but what is it gonna be like 10 years from now? We still want to have that music industry in Atlanta, and we have to um, give credit to L.A. Reeds and Jermaine Dupri's and So So Deaths and so many people in the '80s and '90s and so many of the artists, like I said, that paved the way so we could eat because mm-hmm. there wasn't no industry here. You couldn't make it. You feel what I'm saying? It was like you did it as a hobby. Yeah. A lot of the DJs, if you weren't in one of the three strip clubs that existed and one of the three or four regular nightclubs like this five times as many venues here in Atlanta now so the average DJ couldn't make it it was a hobby and but now people come from all over the world to come to Atlanta to establish themselves and make a living in music and that's a blessing I'm one of those people like right. so like just talking like how I was talking about my son so when I came down here I moved down here in 05 mm-hmm. so this is post all that so when mm-hmm. I come down here and you know being mouth was still around, like all this stuff. It's like a whole different. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is what I've been missing. Like, right. so for me, this is where it's always been. Like, right. you know, right. so it's like, it's an interesting, interesting thing to see it from that. Like, even just talking about how that, that changed over these past 10 years, how mm-hmm. it went from everybody, like, all, like less ego, more mm-hmm. respect and less ego to, you know, now it's a generation of. I guess everyone feels like like a lot of it, because they didn't have that long road like mm-hmm. and everything so instantaneous like you, you start this this it, it, it creates a sense of narcissism. Yeah, I did it. You know what I'm saying? I did this. It's because it's me, me, me. 
but the humble juice is always the humble pie is always eaten. Yeah, you know <laughs> by the best of them. What's up with this engineering degree? It was. Oh, I'm capping a little bit, man. <laughs> it's a mathematics. I, I had so I had three majors. I had mathematics, computer science, engineering. Because I was just real good at math. I completed mathematics. I think I was a little bit short of an engineering degree, where I could still probably get an engineering job. And uh-huh. I think I finished a minor in computer science. So okay. I'm just one of those math people. When I went to Tuskegee, it was kind of like in the back of my head. You know, your parents. You go yeah. to college. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, in the back of my head, I'm like, all right. I'm gonna do good at this because I'm the type of person when I do something, I'm gonna do good at it. Mm-hmm. I'm capable. But by senior year, to be honest, man, it was like DJing had taken primary school, secondary. This yeah. was I'm doing three, four parties a week. And even the professors kind of knew it. Like, you know how the football players yeah. say, oh, don't worry about it. Turn it in next week. I know you're yeah. getting I don't worry about it. I know you got a big party screen. <laughs> Turn it in next week. It kind of came to that Stream, point. you got any more mixtapes? Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it, it kind of came to that point. And uh, it's, it's, it's dope, man. It's, it's, it's a blessing. A college degree, if you're able, then cool. I've been seeing a lot of people make it without it. But for me, everybody has a path. I think it was needed because... That's how, like before I went to college, I was from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I only know how to deal with Atlanta people. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand people from other places. Like, you're weird. You know what I mean? But when I went to college and you interact with people from Detroit, Chicago, California, Florida, overseas, Jamaicans, um, all types of people, especially musically, then it prepared me for the world. Because when I went on that first tour, I knew in Chicago I got to play a house record if I want to separate myself from another DJ. And then, mm-hmm. what you know about that? Only because of college, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I saluted musically and I saluted from an educational standpoint and everything that it taught me because it definitely prepared me not just for what I went there to learn, but just dealing with people. That's why I tell people the most precious part of me going to an HBCU was just dealing with different people because mm-hmm. I did not know how to. When I stepped foot into Tuskegee, if you were from Atlanta, you were weird. <laughs> Period. Like, you're weird. You're not from Atlanta. <laughs> you know what I mean? My first interview I did with Nick Love, he, mm-hmm. he was talking about, um, God, it was the author who wrote The Outliers, mm-hmm. and they was doing the interview, and he said a great question, and I said, mm-hmm. okay, I gotta ask every everybody this question, because mm-hmm. it was a really great question. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is one thing that you believe, mm-hmm. like wholeheartedly that you believe, mm-hmm. that everyone else thinks you're fucking crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Can you help me with that question? <laughs> Can you help me, bro? I think everything I believe. Everybody else thinks it's crazy. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't say everybody. Everybody believes it's crazy, but I just kind of um have always kind of believed in purpose. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go as far as saying that everything is written and your life is written how it's going to be and everything. I don't know about that. But I do I do believe that um, you have either a purpose or depending on how you're built, multiple purposes. You know what I'm saying? So I think every day is kind of like a, a continuous, uh, like you're seeking, you're seeking your purpose. You know what I'm saying? Music is a partial purpose. We weren't put here just to do music like Maybe Pac and Biggie were here to show us how powerful this music is and how powerful it could become, how much it could divide us, how much it could bring us together. Maybe that was their purpose, and after that, that was it. Then again, you're looking at two people who went through a struggle 
and I felt like we paid attention to it for two or three years and then got right back to the bullshit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, um, just purpose, man. I think a lot of people don't. Your purpose is not to make money. As crazy as that sounds coming from me as a Capricorn, like your, your purpose is not to make just music and make money. Your purpose is to do something. Maybe for one person, maybe for the masses, like you have a purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like every day is part of your purpose. Like you're you're there for a reason. You're here for a reason because you could not be here. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? So, um, I, I I I preach that to a lot of people. I'm not gonna say they think I'm crazy. It's just that people get caught up in their day-to-day of life which is reality people have to work people have to pay bills take care of kids take care of family people get caught up in their day-to-day life so much that you might forget your purpose yeah you know what i'm saying or 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 what you're passionate about or whatever the case is so that's the closest thing that i can think of but i don't have no i think no extremist views that (laughs) i don't think they're that extreme you know and it's one thing though what you're saying that though is interesting when we talk about like um like all the stuff socially that's going on, right? Like was from Michael Brown to Tamir mm-hmm. Rice to all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's like like we lose our purpose and, and like we we uh protest these things. Mm-hmm. And it's like and it's like now I was talking to my wife, like everybody's an activist until the first. It's like Oh, we would tweet, we'll march, we'll rally, but man, mortgage due, rent due, like then then that reality, like yeah, the day to day kick in. It's like we don't get back to that, and then it's just that cycle of mm-hmm. trying to trying to maintain your purpose well, of bigger goals and stuff. That's how the society has been created, but I think that um, if, if nothing else, if I became an activist tomorrow or whatever, mm-hmm. what what um. Work what seriously having 20 to 21 hour work days in the mixtape game taught me is you can get a lot done in a day. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally slept for three to four hours for probably a year, year and a half. True story. So, you can get a lot done in a day. And imagine if we collectively come together and use the most of our time every day. You got a nine to five. This is Austin. After your nine to five, the average person wants to sit on the couch and go to sleep. Cool. But if you don't want to be the average person, then you do what I did was guitar center nine to five and damn near five to nine go pursue whatever else I'm pursuing so 24 uh, hours in a day that's how they label it it's a lot of time in the day but you don't know how much time you're gonna have in life so whatever you want to be remember whatever you want to do do it you know what I'm saying get to it whatever whether it's be I've had conversations with all uh, I'm gonna call them exotic dancers before, before right? Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted to be. They felt like in their heart they were there to please men, mm-hmm. like literally, like for the, for life. That was their purpose. If that's what you feel like your purpose is, I'm saying don't just kind of do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it to the best of your ability until you find another purpose or niche. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Whatever it is, even porno star, whatever porno stars, do it. Yo, okay, so I'm gonna ask you this. All right. Yeah. So you just brought up brought up some porn stars. Mm-hmm. What classifies a porn star? I remember like remember back in the nineties, like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Janet Jackson, like stars. Like mm-hmm. now, anyone who's naked on camera is a porn star. Well, no, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same. It's, it's the same thing as anybody who uh, takes pictures on Instagram is a model. Yeah. A published <laughs> a published one at that. You yeah. know what I mean, if they if they made their own pamphlet and. Put something on the front of it. I published. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing, man. I can imagine what the porn stars go through. <laughs> but I think, this is what it is me. 
They are Hollywood actors and actresses, and they are Hollywood stars. Yeah. So I, 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 I'll compare it to that. Like they are porno actors and actresses, and it's porno stars. So I think that's the best way to kind of uh, sum that up and differentiate them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that's the crazy thing. Like everybody, everybody's a star. The internet has has made a million stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some genuine. Yeah. Some genuine. But not like, bro. I definitely appreciate you coming by, sitting Absolutely. down, talking with Absolutely. us. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the artists gleaned a lot of good insight and Please. information from this, and mm-hmm. then a lot of the DJs who listening too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just sticking with it and the whole. Like, I think one of the biggest things is really the work ethic and the networking mm-hmm. and, and, and taking advantage of all the opportunities that that, mm-hmm. um, that you had put in front of you. So I really, like I said, I appreciate you coming by, sitting down with us. Anytime, brother, anytime. We definitely got to do some more work, bro. Absolutely, man. We're connected now, so let's just keep in contact and, and make some stuff happen for some of these people, these brands, you know what I'm saying? All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, real quick, like, uh, they, they should know where to follow you and all that, but, you know, yeah. any, what, DJ Screen Twitter, DJ Screen Instagram, more importantly, Snapchat is new, so DJ Screen TV on the Snapchat. Man, right? I cannot use Snapchat. I don't, he, he runs my Snapchat. Okay, like, why? Like, I don't get the purpose of Snapchat, like, at all. There's a purpose. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snapchat me that. <laughs> like, there's a purpose, for sure, for sure. But uh, that that's one of those things, too. Either you're going to wholeheartedly and completely just go against the grain mm-hmm. and say, I'm not doing social networks. Yeah. And just be that type of person or you're going to do it. Now, am I going to do Periscope? Probably not. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if it's a new wave that comes along, then it's like I did the other ones. And I've been blessed that pe- people follow me since Black Planet. They follow yeah. me from Black Planet to MySpace, from MySpace to Twitter, from Twitter to Instagram, from Instagram following now to Snapchat. So they follow me, so that's a blessing. Either you're going to do it or you're not. Yeah. So I'm on Snapchat, DJ Scream TV. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Scream TV. I'm going I'm to add you on there. <laughs> so once again, like I said, bro, I appreciate you for coming by. Much love, respect, respect. Let's get it.